February 18th, 1976. Onward we must go. <laughs> uh, we will award a brass figlicky with Franz Oakley's palm. If you trivia fans can just tell me who sang that and what was it about. Hail KMH, hail to the foe. Onward to victory, onward we must go. What did KMH stand for, huh? Oh, a fantastic new high-fidelity speaker system, huh? What a fat head. Bring it up. Let <laughs> <laughs> me can't understand how an intelligent person who has had an education, at least a minimal education of your type, can be so unbelievably gauche and in such continual bad taste. I simply do not understand it and that a station with any degree of sense about what it's about to do should do something, in fact, do something right now. And high up in the rafters of the ancient church, a mad dwarf sat hunched over an enormous organ. The sounds of bats flying through the naves could be heard as he madly played on. <laughs> part of our vast continuing program to bring culture to the masses. Again, a question. What was the name of that insane hunchback who played on that organ, and what was the tune that he was playing? Oh, they're playing our song again, Charles. Correct. The name of that mad hunchback was Iago. I A G O. Iago. And the tune was You Are My Sunshine. You are correct. in total nature innocence. And deep in the sewers of Paris, the chittering rats look for another victim. And the monster of the Rue Morgue prepared to strike again. the channel, Jack the Ripper was carefully sharpening his finished knife. <laughs> Mr. Shepard, I cannot understand how you can take our culture so lightly and in such bad taste. Sam, hold it, Sam. Uh, uh, 
reset that. We're going to play that tune again. That's a very popular thing in certain areas there. Just reset that. Hello, test. Uh, hello, test. Can I have just a little more gain? There we go. Fine. Fine. And you know, speaking of bad taste, uh, I, I don't know how to bring this up, but it's, it's nip and tuck. I mean, I say nip and tuck. Oh, by the way, do you remember nip and tuck? What was the famous uh, story that nip and tuck were part of? I mean, it's an old English story. Don't you remember? Uh, oh, this guy that went around and robbed the uh, rich to give to the poor. Remember that guy? And uh, he had he had these two henchmen, Nip and Tuck. And who was the other one? Come on. Right, that's right. Exactly. No, come on. Don't be funny. That was not Billy Graham that worked for him. Now, stop it. That was a prior... Uh, oh... Uh, later, they gave the name, his name was given to a famous food chain, fast food chain, and they sell these salt fish. Uh, yeah, you know, you're going to get uh, fish and chips, what was his name? Uh, but anyway, uh, these, these, these things are all part of our heritage. You can't ignore them. Uh, we're part of it. And uh, what was the name of the guy, then, who went around and robbed the rich to give to the poor? No, come on, not John Dillinger. He didn't give to the poor. Are you kidding? John Dillinger... Blew that dough. He hung around bars on the south side of Chicago and drank it all up. Bought new cars every five minutes. <laughs> no, uh, come on. Who was it? Oh, you're close. Come on. Who was it? You're correct. Uh, Oberon. No, no, no. I'm sorry. It was uh, Puck. Don't you remember? He'd sit up in the tree there and, uh, and make those smart remarks. All right. And, uh, oh, by speaking of culture, uh, do you know that you can now buy a small plastic model? Talk about bad taste. You can buy a small plastic model of the Hindenburg, complete with swastikas. And uh, you can. I saw one here in the store the other day. And I thought it was kind of great. And incidentally, you know what it does? It burns. Yeah, you buy, it's a, it's a real lifelike model. You know, after all, if you, if you buy an airplane, uh, you want the thing to fly. You get these little motors and it flies. Well, the, the Hindenburg actually burns. And uh, I have a friend who has a model of the, <laughs> of the Goodyear blimp. <laughs> I'm not, wait a minute, I don't know why I find this funny. He's got a model of the Goodyear blimp. And you know the Goodyear blimp, the one that's always uh, giving Howard Costell uh, you know, a little of production values there. And, uh, by the way, there are some people who think that Howard Cosell is the Goodyear blimp. However, uh, well, no, no. The thing about Howard Cosell is that the gas that's in Howard Cosell is not inflammable. This is also true of the Goodyear blimp, so the two of them had a lot, lot in common. However, the, uh, <laughs> and they both were for ABC a hell of a lot. But, uh, nevertheless, uh, <laughs> hey, wouldn't that be great to have a great big inflatable Howard Cosell? that you could, you know, sit with and watch the TV together and hesitate. Now, you know, speaking of that, uh, uh, getting inflatable people, I would like to salute a chick, a girl type, who did a fantastic, uh, I, I think a tremendous bit of creative chicanery. And, uh, well, you know what chicanery is. Don't you know what chicanery is? That's that, uh, that's that great stuff at a health cereal. Uh, I'm sorry, you can get it roasted, you get it with chopped raisins in it. But uh, chicanery, you know what chicanery soup is. But uh, nevertheless, don't you know what chicanery peas are? 
Well, you have to live down south to know about them. Yeah, that's right. Well, they're commonly called chickpeas. But uh, actually, the full name is chicanery peas. Chicanery. C-H-I-C-K. Chicanery. However, uh, this girl out on the West Coast, you know, certain cities now have express lanes on uh, their, their, you know, their expressways. There are lanes within the expressway that says you can only drive on that lane if you have two or more people in a car, right? And uh, you go, you're supposed to go faster. That shows, you know, you're getting a little plus if you, if you use your car, uh, you know, for take your friends to work or to the bar or wherever it is you're going. And uh, instead of just one klutz sitting in the middle of his car, you know, belching and, and uh, smoking cigars and playing his hi-fi and occupying acres of the ground and doing nothing but just, just letting it all hang out. However, you can, in some parts of the country, you can go in a faster lane if you have more than two people in the car. Well, they caught a girl out on the San Diego Expressway the other day who had two inflatable people that she would sit, one in the back seat of the car. I'm not kidding you, one in the front. <laughs> she just blow them up. <laughs> and she's driving along. So, and, and, uh, and, and, you know, wait a minute, don't laugh. They caught her, see. And uh, how they caught her was very interesting uh, because when she made a turn, see, there was a cop driving along behind her in an unmarked car. She didn't know it, see. He's just driving along. And he wasn't suspecting anything. You know, he's just driving along. He sees this car ahead of him with three people in it, and this girl driving. And uh, they go around a curb, see, like that. And he noticed the two of them fell over sideways. <laughs> and then she reached over and straightened them up. He says, wow, either those guys are unbelievably bombed or something's really going on here. And they went, you know, for another half a mile, and they made another turn the other direction, and they both fell over. This time the guy fell up against her, and the other one fell down on the floor. She reaches down, sets them up again. So he says, i got to see what's going on here. And he stopped them, and there they were, these two blown-up rubber people sitting in there. One guy looked a little bit like Jack Lemmon. So it was very interesting. And uh, <laughs> says the other guy, the other guy kind of looked like Sidney Greenstreet. And, uh, yeah, she blew it up too much. You know, there was big fat. And so he, he stopped her, and he dragged her into the, to the clink there. And uh, the judge looked down. He says, you would think what you were doing. You were doing this terrible thing to all the people that were driving on the superhighway with you. You were taking up this illegal space. It's terrible. And uh, you were pulling a flim-flam. You don't look like the kind of girl that would do that. She looked up at him with big blue eyes. It's a judge. There's nothing wrong. I, I, don't, I still don't think there's anything wrong, Judge, in that. You don't. That's terrible. I saw the sign. It said you have to have two or more people, but the sign does not say they have to be live. And they let her go. And now, out on the West Coast, there is a fantastic new business in inflatable people. She established a convention. Now, of course, they're going to have to change all the signs. <laughs> but I have to admire that girl now. That, uh, to me, that's a, that's, a, that's a girl that's using uh, true creativity to solve uh, one of the problems of our time. By the way, we'd like to, before we go any further, we'd like to salute the Scofflaw Champ of Philadelphia. Have you, haven't you been following that uh, fantastic thing? Well, what they did, uh, you know what a Scofflaw is, don't you? Well, that's one of those, uh, it's a lot like a turnip. It's between a kohlrabi and a turnip. 
And uh, nothing like a nice plate of scofflaw greens. Terrific. With a little uh, little bacon juice on the top of it, you know, and, <laughs> and a little salt pepper. Just a touch, just a touch of garlic, not too much. And it's a fine old southern dish. However, uh, I'm sorry if I offend you. I, I do. I offend people a lot. So uh, before we... Uh, before we go back to offending people, would you please give me a little more of that favorite tune there that everybody's been asking, rating it and asking for, uh, just bring it on there. Uh, you can hear this echoing from the naves. There are times, you know, when I, when I come back from a hard day at the studio or a hard day doing my thing, and uh, I uh, lock myself in my little, my little uh, vermin-infested pad, and I lay this uh, LP right down on the, right in the middle of the old uh, turntable seat, and I just turn it up, and I just let the smoke and the dust rise. And I've developed a technique, by the way, where I, 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 I shout fiendish cackles into the uh, air conditioning ducts of the building, so they hear it all over the building. And they, now there's a, a, a mist beginning to grow in certain parts of New York that a, 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 a maniacal hunchback lives in an apartment, and he plays this vast world of your organ at night and goes out late at night and steals corgi terriers. <laughs> well, it's a village, after all. What do you expect? By the way, do you know that there's a, uh, there's a key on an organ, and any big organ, that's called Vox Humana. Turn it up there. You know what Vox Humana means. Don't you remember that ancient Greek shipping pact that was uh, when the Greeks got together and they formed a, a contract with the Dutch and the Phoenicians? Yes, it was the Phoenicians, wasn't it? And they call it Vox Humana. <laughs> oh, a pox on you. Very catchy. You know, sometimes I find myself in the shower, I just can't get that fantastic tune out of my mind. Uh, this is uh, WOR in New York, and it is now time. Are you watching me? It is now time to lay some commercials on you. There it comes. There it comes now. There it comes again. There it comes. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. Play it again, Sam. Oh. Okay, all right, all right, hold it. Reset that, please, Sam. We may, once again, before this is over, say, play it again, Sam. Hi, George. You know, you're the first engineer I've ever worked with named Sam. And I'm going to have to tell you something, Sam. I have had a deep, abiding desire to one time say to an engineer, play it again, Sam. <laughs> Let's try it again. All right, I'll do it now. Play it again, Sam. Look at Sam, boy. Sam is the only guy who's in charge of a gothic turntable. Wow, it has gargoyles on it. Fantastic. Of course, they're polyethylene gargoyles. You can't get a gargoyle like you used to get. They just don't make them like they used to make them out of granite, you know, with those 
with those stone teeth and all that. Bring it up there, please, Sam. Play it again, Sam. All right, Eddie's, Eddie's, gang. Rock step, Eddie's. Reset that. Uh, uh, before we go any further here, uh, I, I must apologize to you. I agree that much of tonight's effort so far has been in, well, I hate to say it about myself, but it's been in extremely bad taste. So I'm just going to head you off there at the pass. It's not going to be any good to write a letter telling me how bad taste it was, because I'm aware of it, very much so. In fact, I'm going to tell you something that I've tried to suppress for years. I have, running through me, a fantastic vein, which I fight constantly, of unbelievably bad taste. I find myself liking stuff I shouldn't like because of the basic bad taste. Now, like uh, friends of mine, yeah, I, I can't help it. Well, I can't help it. I like a Whopper burger. Now, you, you would never admit a thing like that to George Plimpton, would you? I mean, are you kidding? Can you imagine? Can, I'm telling you. And I have to fight it back all the time. I'll tell you another thing I really like, and I, and I shouldn't admit this. I like strawberry yoo You want to hear something else I like? No, but then I'll tell you, it's just... It gets pretty sickening because you know people people form their their uh, their respect for you on the basis of the things you like. And, you know, if, if if you like to, if if for example, if you're really into uh, really elegant taste, you have to uh, you have to eat certain things. That's important. Eat certain things. Drink certain things. Like for example, I have never liked scotch. You know, scotch, whiskey. Well, you just don't go to a party in uh, most places in New York and say, I can't stand scotch. Uh, I, I don't like scotch. Now, when you hear how bad taste I'm in, I like bourbon. I, oh, Granddad is fantastic. Oh, you better believe it. I mean, old I.W. Harper? Oh, Jim Beam? Oh, why, uh, there's a famous song that says, There's three men never let me down in my life. I.W. Harper, Jim Beam... And George Dickel. The three men never let me down ever. Yeah. Well, you don't. You not only say that, but uh, Merle Haggard says it too. Right. <laughs> well, by the way, there's another thing that I must admit. Speaking of bad taste, I really like Del Reeves. I really do. I, I I hate to admit it. And I also, when my friends aren't watching, you know, when they're all down there watching. Uh, PBS or Channel 13, and they're watching uh, uh, The Founding of America or The Adams Chronicles or something like that. I am watching Hee Haw. Now that, uh, that's terrible. I don't, I don't, and I keep it to myself. I never, I never say anything about that. You know, I go to a, like I'll go to a fundraising at the, you know, educational TV and everyone's talking about the Say, wasn't that a splendid uh, version of uh, of uh, Desire Under the Elms that uh, George C. Scott and uh, Corrine uh, uh, Lesbia put on? It was a fantastic uh, performance, and uh, of course it was with a uh, Polaroid grant and a and uh, made in conjunction with the BBC. 
It certainly was. And I always say, yeah, that was really great. I really enjoyed that. I mean, desire under the elms, you know, when the guy sits under the elm tree there and he starts sweating. I, I love that. And I keep it to myself, though, that the, that the high point of my television viewing week was Junior Sample. Yeah, Junior Samples. Don't you know who Junior Samples is? Now, there is, when you, when you can, when you can uh, really one-up your friends by saying, hey, you guys, did you hear what Junior Samples said last week? Did you see that? <laughs> well, your friends won't even know who the hell Junior Samples is. And you'll also be able to find out just who your friends are if they really know what a quarter pounder is. I mean, you don't say a hamburger. You say a quarter pounder. That's different than a hamburger, right? Or a quarter pounder with cheese. Now, uh, every little group has its own aficionados and its own uh, people of uh, rarefied taste. For example, if you go into McDonald's and you walk up to the to the counter and you say, "I will have a uh, a fillet burger," you are automatically one of the very few. One of the anointed few. Incidentally, the other day I was with a I was with a group of people. We were having a very elegant breakfast. You know, one of those breakfasts where they have a speaker and all that stuff, and they served uh, these kind of petrified scrambled eggs. And they came along with it. I kept thinking to myself, Oh God, would I love to have an egg McMuffin? <laughs> now that's bad taste. I, I must admit that's bad taste. And, and other friends of mine, you know, they drink these elegant beers. Uh, you know, they come in, they have Tuborg, and they have uh, Leuvenbrau, and all those elegant beers. Every time I get one of those beers and I'm drinking it, I keep saying to myself, oh, boy, would I like a nice big Bud? You know, a real beer. You know, a Budweiser or a Pabst or a Schlitz. Uh, one of my favorite beers uh, has a great name, Blatz. Because uh, that's what that beer caused you to do. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, you, you, you drink three quick blatzes and you will be blatting all night, I'll tell you. <laughs> How's that for bad taste, huh? <laughs> Bring me on. Uh, play it again, Sam. Play it again, please. Play it, Sam. We're going to give him a little good taste here. fantastic new rock group. Uh, this guy brings a whole new sound. See, because I think what we not we not only have people today who are uh, illiterate in the sense that they haven't read books. This is a whole illiterate generation. They're also illiterate musically. And so anything that, yeah, even though they're into music, doesn't mean they're literate, right? You understand? There's a big difference. You can be into music and not know a damn thing about it. So, uh, you know, they go to everything and Anything that's, uh, that's the Wolfman Jack is on, they think that's really, you know, that's, that's, that's making it, man. Can you imagine some guy, let's take uh, E. Power Biggs. You know who E. Power Biggs was? Oh, I'll tell you. E. Power Biggs was the David Bowie of the Wurlitzer. Oh, he's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> he was the Elton John of the Vox Humana set. 
However, uh, on the other hand, uh, it, yeah, you could take a guy like, see, uh, let's take uh, Clyburn, Van Clyburn. See, Van Clyburn. Now, he can really play, right? I mean, he knows how to play that thing. Uh, as uh, as Muxy Spaniel used to yell out, play that thing. Uh, he knows how to <laughs> play that thing, baby. But the, he knows how to play. Yeah, he, know, he knows how to play it. Now, what he can do also, anybody who's a really great piano player, what do you keep looking at back then? Anybody who's a great piano player can also play the organ. You buy that. Oh, sure, absolutely. Uh, Fats Waller. Uh, some of the great classic Fats Waller records are Fats Waller playing the organ. He was fantastic on the organ. Now, ordinarily, I can't, I don't like a, a, an organ much. I'm not, a, I'm not into that. But when Fats Waller played it, it was something. I mean, he made that thing sing. See, all right, now here's what, here's my suggestion for a new rock group, right? Get Dave, get uh, Van Clyper. See, he's getting tired of playing the concert circuit. You know, he wants to try another bag. After all, even classical musicians are human beings, you know, like walking around people. And he would like to play another bag, see? And so Manny, over at the agency, gets a hold of him. Can't you just see Manny getting a hold of Van Clyper? He says, hey, so now look, man. I mean, where are you going to go now after you've been playing this piano in Carnegie Hall? After that, what? What? Where do you go from there, huh? Have you asked yourself, man, huh? Where do you go from there? You played back. You played the Carnegie Hall. You played in London. You played in Paris. You made a Columbia Records. You won a Tchaikovsky Award or whatever that thing was in, in Russia. Where do you go now? What, huh? What's beyond that? All right, I'll tell you what's beyond it. I got an idea for a fantastic new group. You call yourself. We got a good makeup, man. After all, what is showbiz today but almost entirely makeup? I mean, where would David Bowie be today if he didn't have a makeup man working with him at all times with the wings and the birds and all this jazz, right? If he came out and had to play the banjo, that guy would be dead. He can't play nothing. It's the makeup that makes it, right? Well, you can play, which is more than most of them guys can do. Now, I'll tell you what you do. We're going to go out and get yourself an organ, a big organ, one of these big babies, you know, with the gargoyles all over it, with a pipe sticking up, and we'll have painted psychedelic colors, red, white, blue, green. And every time you press one of the keys, one of them big pipes sticking out of the top lights up a different color, right? Okay, now what do you play? I'll tell you what you play. You come to the right guy, we're going to make ourselves a mint. Now, none of them kids in that crowd ever heard no music except rock. And they're always looking for something new, right? So anything you give them is new. Anything. If you come out there and sing, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine, that's new to them. They never heard that. It's a whole new thing. Right? I'll tell you what we're going to call you, man. We are going to call you the Hunchback of Notre Dame. And we're going to get you with this makeup. You're going to wear this big hunchback thing. We're going to get you this little suit, and you're, you're going to have this makeup where your hair hangs down. And then when the curtain opens, bats come flying out over the audience, and you scrunch down at the organ, and you start playing like a maniacal madman. The hunchback of the Notre Dame on the Don Christopher Rock concert at Wolfman Jack is going to say, Hey, hey, guys, hey, you want to hear something really great? The Hunchback of Notre Dame is here tonight, live. Uh, if you can call an evil Hunchback live, then he's playing for you tonight. What a what an act! What a fantastic! <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you realize you realize that that would really make it? Well, he probably would. Are you kidding? If a guy came out there dressed, and, and I'll tell you what he'd have to have. He'd have a, a, a bunch of guys dressed like that dwarf that was in the Frankenstein picture. One guy's playing the dobro. One dwarf is playing the drums. And another dwarf is running around throwing powdered bat wings into the audience. What an act. What was the name of that dwarf? I'm sorry, the name of that dwarf was not Iago. What was the name of that dwarf? Fred? Who, Kilgore? No. Now tell me, what was the name of that dwarf was? Godzilla? Simpleton? Well, <laughs> all right, now wait a minute now. You guys, you guys think you know so much. All right, that dwarf, that dwarf's name was, say it again. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Now, what was his axe? What instrument did he play? He played an instrument all the time. You're close. Not quite. I'll give you a clue. It was not a flute. Although you're close. Another clue. It was not a piccolo. You're closer. You're closer. What did he play? And I'll even give you, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give you a brass figgy with a bronze oak leaf palm for rising above the muck and the mire of ordinary listenerdom. You've really risen out of that swamp that is called the audience. If you can tell me, what was the tune he played? And another question, on what occasions did he play it? He didn't just go around, you know, blowing his horn all the time. Oh, no. Uh-huh. Does that mean two minutes to theme? Or two minutes to, uh... Okay, good, fine. Gee, this has been a very intellectual program tonight, hasn't it? I mean, I love to get into our, our culture. Yes, uh, you know, speaking of, uh... Speaking of, uh... Of that guy that went around and robbed the rich and gave to the poor. You remember him? Uh, who was the, uh... Who, <laughs> who was the name of the of the character that hung around with him, who was very lovable and funny? Which one was that? Nip or Tuck? Huh? Big Harry. Well, that's pretty close. Yeah, you know he's selling used cars now in Philly, and uh, <laughs> Big Harry. <laughs> well, that's all right. <laughs> If we could only get him to play center field for the Yankees this year, we'd do all right. You know, uh, speaking of, uh, of the Yankees, you know, it won't be long now. Uh, are the Yankees going to have a center fielder this year? No, no. Well, either do they, uh, judging <laughs> judging from, from what's been going on. Well, after all, they traded Bobby Bonds. So, yeah, every time I hear the name Bobby Bonds, I think of, a, of an ice cream chain. I mean, the Bobby Bonds ice cream stores, right? All right. Oh, okay. I'll give you. I'll give you a brass figure. Speaking of of, uh, of chains, what chain was Mickey Mantle connected with? You remember when they used to have uh, mini pearl fried chicken? They don't have that anymore, right? And uh, they have a Roy Acuff. Uh, what? Roy Rogers restaurants, right? Okay. 
What was Mickey Mantle connected with? You don't know. See how fame is? All right, what was Joe what was Joe Namath connected with? There was a chain. And what did they call it? Oh. Bachelor Three? No. That's right. He sold frozen fish. Correct. No, what was it that he sold? Harmonicus? Oh. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, listen, uh...